If you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started. Hello, listeners. So this week, again, I have friend Annie, who is another T1D mom, and she's here to read a question that one of you wrote in, um, and we're going to discuss together our answers to this concern from a desperate for a break mom from Burlington, Vermont. Annie, why don't you read us the question that came in? My best friend's husband and my husband have a big birthday the same week, and we'd like to go away together for a weekend to celebrate. The problem is that I've never left my seven-year-old T1D daughter for that long, and we'd like to go to New York, which is four hours away. My mom often takes care of my daughter for me, and she knows all of the diabetes basics, but she hasn't done pod or Dexcom changes. My anxiety is huge, but we will have to book the trip soon if we're going to go. What do I do? Give up all vacations unless I bring my daughter along? Hire a nanny? Help. Thanks, Annie. I'm really feeling for this mom, right? So she has this terrible dilemma that she really wants to go away with her husband and her friend and her friend's husband, and it will be fun. And they should, theoretically, right, be able to step away from a seven-year-old. But her daughter has diabetes, and it makes it much harder to do. And I have to say, there's a a thing in here of, do I give up all vacations unless I bring my daughter along? So there's a little catastrophizing, like if I can't go this time, I'm never going to be able to go, right? And and of course, it feels like that when we're sort of feeling trapped by our T1D kids. I want to think with you about you know, that feeling of allowing ourselves as parents and caregivers as like addendum pancreases that we're allowed to step away. And we are, but the question is how to make that safe for our kids. I have a few thoughts here about what needs to happen here. So in in one of the groups I ran recently, I had a mom whose goal was to be able to step away. We were really working on step-by-step creating that safety. What I don't know from uh, Desperate for a Break from Vermont is how long until she actually goes. I know when she has to book this trip, but I don't know how long she has to get her mom trained up on doing pod and Dexcom changes. And if her mom is willing to do pod and Dexcom changes, right? She also doesn't say how long her daughter's been diagnosed. So maybe it's not long enough that she's asked someone else to learn that, but it could be some grandmas, some caregivers don't want to do that, right? So we have a bunch of different scenarios here or different possible scenarios. So obviously our best case scenario is that grandma is willing to learn how to do pod and Dexcom changes and there's enough time to train her how to do it. I think we can probably assume that because she says my mom often takes care of my daughter for me and she knows the basics. So she seems like she's probably local if if uh, she's been taking care of her kids 
Yes, absolutely. We can assume that she's local. And I don't think we can assume she's comfortable with pod and Dexcom changes, right? Because what I've seen is a lot of grandmas who get anxious, you know, they have a certain line of where they're willing to do the work and where they're not willing to do the work. So best case scenario, of course, grandma's willing to learn how. I would say a seven-year-old might be a little young to take that on. So if this child were 10, I might say, let's teach the 10-year-old if the 10-year-old is willing, have the 10-year-old do it a few times with grandma there. So grandma kind of knows and you can always, you know, FaceTime or WhatsApp in if a pod change or a Dexcom change needs to happen. And if the grandma's not willing and it's a seven-year-old? Yeah. So then we have a bigger complication. So I don't think it's a good idea to do a Hail Mary and change the pod and the Dexcom right before you go and hope it works right? And hope that in this weekend away, that nothing goes wrong. That's a nice fantasy, but it's not, that's not safe. So the question becomes in seven, this child is probably in school. Is there someone at school who knows how that we can see as a backup, someone who's willing, a type one babysitter in the area who you could find, who'd be willing to just come over, get to know grandma and kid and would be there in case of an emergency right? So a backup on-call plan. I think something like that is going to be your best bet. Or is her second best friend available to be that backup, right? Is there a friend who could learn? Who's in her community? How wide a net can she throw to teach somebody how to do this? And then she needs to teach them, right? So they need to come over, share, you know, be around for those pod changes every few days and do a Dexcom change once or twice, And I would suggest that this mom find the online videos that show how to do it and provide links to whoever that backup care provider or grandma. If it actually comes to having to make an emergency change, they have a video to reference and they don't feel so shaky. I like the idea of kind of layering that having backups, that was super helpful for me because if you are, you know, you can have someone who's totally reliable and skilled and willing, but having that kind of, and if something goes wrong there, there's this other person and Mm -hmm. you have a Mm -hmm. team, even though there's one person primarily on, if you have kind of a team of support for that person, Mm -hmm. it's really calming. Yeah, it is really calming. And I think um, important, not only for mom who's going away, but also for the caregiver, especially if it's grandma who's being left. But what are other like baby steps? Mm -hmm. You know, you said kind of starting to take steps. Mm -hmm. In this case with this mom, I would say that she's showing us that this is what needs to happen. It's pod and Dexcom changes. So let's say for the sake of argument that she's not going on this trip for another six months. So she's or even three months. So she's got a lot of time. And so the baby steps are you know, first just learning to do the pump, right? Because that's much more likely to fail in some ways, I think, than the Dexcom. That's my experience when I was on Omnipod, but maybe not for this family. The baby steps are teaching it step-by-step. First, how to load the pod, and then you put it on, right? Then the caregiver puts it on. Then the caregiver does all the steps. Then, you know, you just have a lot of exposure. If this mom is planning to go in a few weeks, then you've got a crash course, right? In all pump and Dexcom changes. So when I'm saying baby steps in this scenario, that's mostly what I'm talking about. What the mom doesn't talk about here though, is what her anxiety might be like when she's there, when she's gone, 
mm-hmm. and what are the baby steps she needs to take to that are about her communication with her mother or the caregiver. Making sure that grandma's going to pick up the phone and reach mm-hmm. out to her if she has questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And being clear what mom wants that communication to look like Mm -hmm. so that she's not feeling anxious, you know, because another thing she's not talking about is, is she going to watch the Dexcom the whole time she's in New York? Is she going to take a real break and be able to step away? And so there are varying levels of stepping away that moms and parents can do. And so the question becomes, how can she how can she get her needs met around that? Because she's feeling like she can't ever have a vacation. So is it enough for her to just go to New York and be, you know, still have the Dexcom on at night? So that's another set of baby steps. Like, is she ready to let go of the whole kit and caboodle and give it to grandma? Or is she feeling like she wants to hold on to some of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm having clarity about that. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more answers. Your child was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in the last year, and you're still struggling with a feeling of mourning the loss of your healthy child. Sound familiar? If so, Sweet Talk's After Diagnosis Coaching Course was created with you in mind as a space to work through some of the emotional issues that come in the first year after your child was diagnosed, including that feeling of mourning. If you're ready to reduce the emotional impact of type 1 on your life, check out www.diabetessweettalk.courses. What about when I first left my T1D kid, I felt like I was kind of getting sideways looks from some of the other T1D parents that I knew that were Mm -hmm. friends. Yeah. Suggest about that. Yeah, I think that that's really real that parents have. And I think that's in the broader community, right? There's some parents who leave their kids at one and a half and go away for a weekend with their spouses. There's some people who would never leave their kids. And there's no right answer here. And so it's about feeling sturdy in your own decision. And a lot of that with your type one kid is going to rest on this security and safety plan that you've created so that you know that your child will be safe, that you have a good solid plan for them. But yeah, you might face some judgment and opinions from other people who feel like, why would you go? Why would you leave them with somebody who's not fully trained, let's say, or why would you leave them with somebody who's subpar to you or you should do it all? And some people just never leave their kids. And that's fine. They get to choose to never leave their kids. That doesn't have to be your decision. Yeah. And in a way that happens with all parenting anyway, but it's just not as scary. That's exactly right. You know, I just thought of another baby step which is to do an overnight at grandma's house while you're still there in in town so that you can try that out. And so if there's an opportunity for that along the way, that would be an important thing to try. That's a really important baby step. That's a great idea. That's a way to practice both for the grandmother and for testing out how this mom is, able, how much she is able to comfortably step away. Exactly. Also. Yeah. So she gets to practice. Mom gets to practice what it's like so that she can see what kind of communication she needs and what her goal is for when she sends, you know, for when she goes to New York and leaves her daughter with grandma. And I guess the other question that comes to mind is just, you know, how to talk to her child about her about the child's stress if there is any about being away from mom knowing that grandma's taking on maybe more I don't know if the kid would be aware of this but knowing that grandma's 
you know, stepping out of her comfort zone or her skill set. Mm-hmm. So I do think that that kind of stress could come up for a young T1D kid, maybe even an older one. And the way we might see that is the child feeling like they have to be super responsible for everything because they feel like the adult isn't able to handle it. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason why I think it's extra important for grandma to be both well-trained and, and, or there to be good backups for grandma, because that is also reassuring for this type one kid the adults have it that she doesn't have to worry. So again, if this child were 12, maybe even 10, I would say the child is capable of taking it on to some degree, but also could experience that stress, mm-hmm. right? So we have to be attuned to the child. A seven-year-old may be completely oblivious and feel like it's fine and trusts all the adults all the time. So it depends on the anxiety level of this particular kid, but it's a really important question, Annie, because we want to be attuned to our kid's level of stress. And I wouldn't overly reassure. I would just take a stance of we've got it. Grandma's getting trained up and we have like nurse Jenny from school who's on backup. It's going to be really great. You're going to have a wonderful time with grandma, but I wouldn't be focusing on it unless the child seems anxious or is asking about it. And then I just had this other thought about having clarity with the kid about how available the mom will be while she's out of town. Mm Mm-hmm. Some parents and kids, you might want to say, if you're, you know, if anything's happening, call me. And mm-hmm. <laughs> some parents and kids would need to have clarity about every night or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. And I feel like that's a question that's like a quote, normal parenting question, right? If this child at seven is massively stressed about her type one and being away from her mother, then it's really important that this mom gets some practice stepping away from this kid, because then this child feels like mom is the only safety around diabetes. And we don't want our children to feel that way. We want them to feel like they have safety in the world with lots of adults, with the nurse at school, with grandma, with a friend that a teacher can help them, right? And that's part of the advocacy that we take on as T1D parents. So that would be really important to address. But I think other than that, it's a sort of, quote, normal parenting question. Like we might check in every night. I'm going to say goodnight to you. But the diabetes management is really happening in the background. It's not a primary discussion that mom is having with kid. It's a primary discussion that mom is having with grandma or caregiver. I really like that reminder that it's so important for us to help our kids have experiences of feeling cared for and safe with other adults in their world. Absolutely. I think it's critical, actually. Uh, There's a moment when my, actually not a diabetes parenting story, but my daughter, the one with type one, was very small and she fell and she was across a parking lot from me. We were doing a camp drop off for one of my older kids. And another person who was in our community was really close and went running over to help her because she was so close. And I stood back and watched and waited. And a friend said, turned to me and said, good job, mama, because I didn't (laughs) rush in, right? I wanted her to have the experience that someone else could comfort her over her scraped knee. It didn't have to be me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Annie, for asking all these great questions. Fun to chat as always. Okay. Thanks again for listening today. If you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type 1, I'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person. Not only will you get the support you need and deserve, but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. 
to join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. 